Ladies and gentlemen, around the world, this is Gavina T.K. Kirkland. You're listening to the T.K. Kirkland Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this, you know, if you listened to the podcast last week, this is my uh, or future financial wizard. Um, I call him AKA Julius the Wizard. So listen, <laughs> this brother's giving sound advice. Matter of fact, I did a couple of things in my stand up this week about read your contract when it comes to this life insurance. And we had part one last week. We're going to rock this out again this week because he has so much more to say. And like I said, he's 52 or 51. I'm in my 60s. And what you people are going to understand, especially my young heads and young girls out there, you may not think about it now. But this is the episode you record, you put it in your iCloud, and you listen to it two to three times a year because one day you will be in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, and you want to start in your 30s, and you want to have every advantage to have income when you get older. Because I read a lot. In 2032, Social Security, unless they do something, is going to be depleted. In 2040, there will be massive water shortages in America. What's crazy is millions of people are moving to where the shortages are. That goes to show you nobody is doing their due due, due diligence on where they live. The Mm -hmm. earth is getting hotter. So we have more huge storms, more fires on this earth than ever before. So it's crazy is how, but you got to think. Check this out, Juju. You want to protect yourself for life insurance, <laughs> but it may not be no fucking earth by the time you get it. <laughs> I know, right? You know, so yeah. I believe in this one thing, and I'm going to let you talk. CYA, cover your ass. <laughs> have it just so that you're ready. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And that's how you got to move. But, Julius, go ahead, my man. Let's take yeah. it on the top. Let's take off on what we did last week and let's um, enlighten the people. Yes, and I, and I definitely want to get into saving some time to talk about that self-fund pension plan for people like yourself that are entrepreneurs, self-employed, um, ways they can leverage some of the investments into these self-funded pension plans. Definitely want okay, to and what is it called again, Julia? Um, it's, it's, what it is, it's basically, it's, it's an annuity. No, the name again, self what? Self, self-funded pension. Okay, plan. self-funding pension. Okay, okay, great, yeah. cool. All I'm right. going to get into that at some point. But yeah, just to, um, recap from last week, you know, I talked about the, um, the difference of life insurance plans that are out there. Basically, you got term, okay, and you have permanent, right? And mm-hmm. I talked about how term started in 1759. Um, by the Presbyterian Ministry of Fund, and what it was, it was a decreasing type of term where over time 
right, the policy would would decrease. So let's say you started off with a twenty thousand, and then as you reach towards uh, retirement age, that twenty thousand may be only one thousand because it's, theoretically you didn't need as much insurance as you get older because you would have other assets, right, to have to lead to your heirs to bury you. Um, however, what they found nearly a hundred years after that, eighteen sixty, um, company called company called Natalist Life Insurance, which is known as New York Life Today, created mm-hmm. what they call whole life. And the theory behind that is that you would have the term, however, there would be a savings part that would be accumulating cash along the way within the policy, right? So that keeps the policy whole. So the term piece would decrease and the cash value would increase based upon the savings rate that was built within the product so that you always had that insurance there. So what they found was that people were not accumulating assets um, um, enough when they retired to lead to the heirs, so that's why they developed what they call whole life, because they felt that they needed something there um, Mm -hmm. to to pass on to the heirs. So that's what whole life was was created. Okay. 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 Now, 1970 came around, a congressman by the name of Ralph Nader, okay, he Ralph was selling whole right Ralph Nader, because um, what was happening during that time was inflation. Inflation was through the roof. You had CDs paying like ten, fifteen, seventeen percent. So what was there was basically what he wanted to do was um, get a bill passed, right, to talk about um, whole life and what was going in between the lines. Okay, you pay mm-hmm. your premium. The savings part is there, but no one knew what were the fees and the charges that was within these whole life products. And the reason why it was being um, challenged during that time because the theory was was that when they did an investigation back in 1979, what they found out that consumers were losing billions of dollars because a lot of these products were informed and, 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 and inappropriate when it came to um, the savings element. Um, they were only yielding 1% to 2% on the average. So if you have a whole life product, it doesn't give you a full disclosure and what's going on between the lines, meaning that I pay $100, okay, you say I have a savings that's earning 3%, but how much of that $100 is actually earning 3%? So what they found was that, just to kind of give you, you know, an idea, maybe only $25 was going towards the savings of 3%. That mm-hmm. was the problem, okay? You had no full disclosure on what the fees were. The other problem was that when you want to get the money out because it was sold as a great savings vehicle to borrow against um, down the road, right, tax-free. However, if I'm only giving you 3% savings, but yet the loan provisions say 6 to 8% to take the money out, TK, that's a 5% difference. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're not really making money; you're losing money. And here's the right. other problem: if you take the money out the loan and you don't pay it back, well, now you jeopardize that policy lapse. That means wow. now wait, wait, I'm gonna pause away. you right there. Explain to the people what is policy lapse. Well, policy is when basically there's no more funds to be able to keep to pay for the cost of the insurance within the product. Okay. So you paid your premium $100, right? Part yeah. of that premium pays for the expense of the insurance, okay? okay. And part of it goes towards savings, okay? Okay. However, mm-hmm. I took a loan, right? 
Now that loan could be count is compounding six to eight percent on the back end. Now you're paying your premium still, but it's not keeping up with the compound interest on the back end. Because remember, it's compounding, tax deferred that interest. So now it's working against you. Investors mm-hmm. always talk about compound interest when it's building for you, but when you take a loan out against a life insurance policy, it's also compounding on the back end. But that can. But doesn't that defeat the purpose too? When you take a loan out against your insurance policy. Yeah. Well, it can. The thing of it is, is that a lot of agents sell it from the standpoint of you can loan against the policy. And what I'm saying is that whole life, that version of a permanent policy, and I'm and I'm just going to break it down. There's four types of permanent policies, four types. But when you listen to the Dave Ramsey's and the Susie Orman, very popular names in this business of finance, right? When they mm-hmm. talk about life insurance, they always attack whole life as one of the worst ways to invest in, meaning that their theory is buy term and invest the difference, right? And, mm-hmm. so, and term is like um, nine years, right? Uh, term is basically, um, it, it can go up to 34 years, actually, some products. So basically okay. it's like 10, 15, 20, 30 year uh, temporary type of insurance um, where, once again, you know, um, you know, it doesn't last forever. It doesn't have a savings associated with it. Right. But and they the have reason, a thing called surrender your account, though. Say again? Don't they have surrender your account after a certain amount of time they give you your money back? Well, you, you have certain versions. And this is why uh, I always say read your contract because mm-hmm. you have different types of term policies. Oh, okay. there's different, hey, there's different levels to this. It's all within the contract. See, when isn't you it buy, something you would think all this would be straight and at, straight as an hour, no in between, but it's just so much confusion. And you're right. You've got to read your contract. You would think insurance is insurance. I pay for this. Uh, when I die, I expect to get this amount of money to lead to my family, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not that simple. It isn't that simple. When I decided to get into this business, I first started off, as a licensed agent, I, as a licensed agent, I could sell securities at one point. But then um, a buddy of mine, once again, introduced me to um, a gentleman that had been in the business for 40 years. And what he was doing was training agents all around the country. And when I went to a couple of the seminars, I realized when I first started this business trying to decide which route I wanted to go, um, that for the first time these people had been selling insurance and for the first time, learning what the heck that they've been selling, meaning wow. they were trained to be salesmen, not to really understand the actuarial contractual side of these policies. Mm-hmm. And what happens as an agent, see, when this business is all, it's all commission-driven, PK, if I don't make a sale, I don't get paid. Mm. So who am I working for, the client or the company? Right. There lies the rub, Right. So you're trusting the person that's sitting across you to make sure he's explaining things properly. The thing of it is is that, you know, his commission's on the line. So when you're dealing with a captive agent, that means someone that strictly works for that particular company, right? I'm using, like, Prime America as an example or um, what, um, 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 a, uh, um, you know, some of these big, bigger-name companies um, that are out there. Okay, that's fine, but understand that they're working for the company to try to sell the product. Otherwise, they do not get paid, okay? So what I tell people is that ideally you want someone independent, okay? 
You want someone independent when it comes to this type of insurance game because it doesn't matter what they sell. Their commissions all they you know you know they're not they're not um, tied to just selling one type of product. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. So mm-hmm. with me, I represent over 200 companies. So whether you want to do term, whole life, um, whatever, and I and I go over the different variety of products. Um, doesn't matter. I'm going to get paid regardless because I work independently. So I'm not tied to the company when it comes to my commission, a, a particular company. Um, so when it comes to whole life, the Susie Ormans and the Dave Ramsey always talk about, I'm sure when, when it comes to life insurance, the Susie Ormans and the Dave Ramsey always talk about whole life. Well, whole life is one of the worst permanent products that are out there because of the lack of disclosure, because of the poor performance when it comes to the savings account. Because when you talk about a permanent policy, that savings piece is key to determine how well it's going to perform because now it becomes an investment that you're making. Unlike with term, you know it's going to go away. You just need something to cover you, right, for a certain mm-hmm. period of time. Now, most people I talk to, TK, are underinsured because they're not structuring their life insurance properly. They're okay. not structuring it properly. So what I mean is that a lot of them say, I'm good, I'm straight, because they just got something at the job, but the job is only going to cover up to your salary. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe double your salary. But most folks, if their salary, maybe you're only making thirty, forty, fifty thousand, 50000 if that, a year, and they got two or three. Two, you know, two or three kids. That's not going to be enough. God forbid, if something happens, right? Right. To be able to take care of the responsibility of the children or whatever liabilities they have as a family. So that's why I always encourage people to get a term for the time period, at least while uh, that child is is un, is a minor, mm-hmm. or, or until certain liabilities like your home and other things that you may have going on. You know, whether it's credit card debt or or you know, or, or, or you know, or, or, or car loans, all that is paid off. So ideally, you want to look at a twenty to thirty year term, because that's going to give you the biggest bang for the buck. Let me give you an example. Okay, um, for instance, a female thirty five years old, uh, non tobacco, thirty year term, paying about sixty one dollars a month for about a, a million dollars of coverage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what you're looking at when it comes to a term, okay? So after that 30 years, TK, what happens is that that term gives you the option to keep it. But now that $61 a month turns to $919 a month, it jumps up. So most mm. people are not going to pay that. And let me give you an and why, and why did why did it jump? Well, it jumped because what's happening now is you're 30 years older, right? Now mm-hmm. the more the mortality cost is, is, is you know is is now more expensive, but the company forces you now, and this is just how it's structured. They force you now, right, to either get another contract <laughs> because no one's going to do that unless they're really sick, right? They mm-hmm. force you to get another contract. It's just how it's just how it's constructed. And let, me, and let me throw another stat at you. Penn, study, um, Penn, uh, Penn State University did a study. What they found was that 99% of all term policies never pay out a claim. And that's the reason why. So explain that. Explain never pay out a claim. Because what happens is once that term ends, 
no one's going to pay that premium that that you know that that it jacks up about a thousand percent. You're looking at close to it. The thing of it is, is that it lapses, right? Because when after that time period it ends, you look at that and you say, okay, now I'm I'm going to find another contract. Because you're not going to go from $61 to $919 a month. You're going to get another contract. So what happens is the contract ends, and that's why they don't pay out during that time period of that of usually for, 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 for the contract. Once again, about 1% of term policies even pay. But the idea is to give you the peace of mind for the most coverage for the least amount of dollars. That's where term is effective. Mm-hmm. So. I always tell people like this, okay, you got home insurance. More than likely, you're never going to make a claim, although like your home is going to burn up and, and, and you're, going to, you, you're going to utilize the home insurance as a disaster situation. Does it happen? Absolutely. But we have to get it because of the devastation that it would cause us financially if it ever happened. So it's the same frame of mind when you buy terms. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you, you probably, um, the odds are better than you getting, getting shot by a cop than actually, <laughs> get, um, you know, the term policy being paid out. But the fact that, God forbid, if something does happen, you can sleep at night knowing you got enough insurance there to be able to take care of that. And this is why um, permanent policies make the most sense in the long, time, in the long haul of making sure something's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's four types of permanent policies, whole life, universal life, variable life, and index universal life. Those are the four types of policies. Whole life was created in 1860, and because of the bad um, structure within the contract of these policies, like I said, poor return on the cash value, no disclosures or the fees and expenses, poor exit strategies and loan provisions built within these contracts, Lack of uh, flexibility, you cannot lower the space, anything like that. And then a lot of them are dividend-driven, which I talked about on the last show. Dividends is not like a stock. It's not like a profit that they're giving you. It's the overcharges that they took from you over the years, and they give them back to you in a form what they call dividends. But all Damn, that is, dog. Yeah. That's cold. That's cold, yeah. That's cold. That's cold. But that's how it's structured. Right. And in and, 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 and his whole life product. And so, once again, this is why the Dave Ramsey's and the Susie Ormans talk bad about whole life. That's why they always, and they always compare the worst insurance product to the market, right? Because they're market people. And I get it. But there's better products. And that's why the industry had to develop better products because of these particular problems. Mm-hmm. So, 1979, Universal came along. Universal was tied to fixed rates. It gave you flexibility. It gave you disclosure of the fees and these things. So you got a lot more information within your product. It gave you the flexibility to be able to lower the stake. You know, it addresses uh, it addressed a lot of the issues that, that, that people had, the market had with, with uh, whole life. Then after that, in 1987, when the market was going bunkers because of the um, dot-com era, people mm-hmm. wanted to be... Um, that savings, they want a lot more um, access to be more aggressive than a fixed rate. Um, so it gave variable life, which now the savings was associated with mutual funds. And, 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 and uh, so you had a piece of the market involved with the savings. The problem with that is 
yeah, look, it works great when the market's doing good. Mm-hmm. If the market drops, because you know what goes up must come down. Right. Um, now you have to make up that game. And no one want to really, unless you're a big baller and you can afford to, you know, put a lot of money in these things in order to make up that game, um, it really wouldn't fit well for the common man. Um, mm-hmm. We had what they call the index. And that was the answer to the variable, which started back in 1997. Index universal life. And that's where we are today. Okay. Because it's the most efficient way to go when we talk about So people should get universal life insurance. I'm recommending that as a permanent, as a permanent option. Okay. okay. And how much is universal life insurance based on your age group? Well, um, because it works like that, If you're 30 between, what, 50, 50 between 70, how's it work? Yeah. So a 30-year-old, you can get $150,000 coverage for about, I would say, um, somewhere between 50 to $75,000 a month. Okay? And that's Um, good. Yeah, that's good. That's hundred fifty thousand. Now, let me give you an example. Well, there's another there's another myth out there that we have when it comes to getting insurance on our kids, because what I try to enlighten people about is they get these Gerbil Life policies that they see. Well, Gerbil Life is great, and Gerbil they do an excellent job in marketing towards families to have something insurance on their kids for burial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it costs maybe like ten. Uh, you know, twenty dollars a month, Gerbil. You got about like ten, fifteen, and ten, ten, um, ten to fifteen thousand. But here's the problem: it's a whole life product. Here's the other problem: you will spend the next twenty years paying on that Gerbil life. Okay, mm-hmm. so the nickel and dime. It's like a, it's like death by a thousand cuts. So what mm-hmm. I try to hear people to say: no, um, get a bigger policy, something that's more efficient, like the index universal on your child. Now. I get a push. Now, explain the index universal. Okay. The index universal, basically what it is, is the universal life product, which is giving you a lot more flexibility, full disclosure of the fees, um, and things of that, that nature. But instead of being tied to mutual funds or fixed rate, it's tied to an index, like the S&P 500, okay, um, the NASDAQ, okay, so it's okay. tied to some type of investment like that. What's that? Okay. So I get insurance on my daughters at 18. I take them from 18 to 30. Can they continue, extend that universal insurance? If I'm dead and go on and say, hey, you got to take over your policy Absolutely. so that when you die, this is your money? You hit the nail right on the head. Um let me tell you something. Here's the come up I try to tell people when it comes to all their kids, okay? But, mm-hmm. you, but, but you're right on target. I say, okay, you got a newborn. Okay, why are they a minor? The best way to use the life and policy when we talk about these index policies, permanent policies, is to pay it up. What do I mean by that? Okay. So what the IRS has designed within these products, right, they give you a maximum amount you can put in based upon the amount of insurance and your age, okay? For example. Like when you say amount put in, meaning someone has to take their own money and put into something? What I'm saying to you is this. I'm going to give you an example. I got a newborn, okay, one years old, okay? Mm -hmm. Here's an example. I got $150,000 saved, okay? Now, I could pay $30 a month, right, Mm -hmm. on that policy, and that's going to be efficient enough to build cash within the policy over time. 
Now, with right. these new policies, the life expectancy is 120 now. It's no longer 100 like it was back in the 80s. So they had to readjust um, the, um, the death benefit because people are living a lot longer because of the advance of the medicine. So now mm-hmm. it's 120 now, okay, right. which, which now brings down that cost of the insurance piece because life expectancy is a lot longer. But mm-hmm. back to my example. So got a one-year-old, newborn, $150,000 face I put on, $30 a month, okay? Okay. Now, uh, by the age of 18, they have a value of $3,000, okay? Mm-hmm. However, if I max fund that policy, the max fund is the most that, that, that the IRS said I can put in this policy within 10 years. That's $8,000, uh, 8200 $8, $8,200, $8,200. That's the most TK that's going to allow me to put on my newborn, one-year-old, okay? I, the fastest way I can put that is within five years. So if I pay it up each year, $1,600, policy is fully paid up, I let that money sit there and compound. By the time they reach 18, now they have 16000 in cash value. And according to the IRS, a $10,000 inheritance falls into the category as a transformable asset because it's considered enough to change the trajectory of someone's life. What that means is that they got enough cash within their TK, they want to buy a home, put a down payment on a home. They can do that, change trajectory. They can start, um, use money to start, um, maybe start their own business. Mm-hmm. So a $10,000. $10, I don't know about that. A, well, I, according to the today, you know, I know I know inflation is, you know, is, you know yeah, it's, it's, but but it's a key. <laughs> well, we, we, we'll check this out. A lot of these first-time home buyer programs don't even give you that. Okay, mm-hmm. so think about it. So two thousand is still, and most folks don't even got that in their savings. TK, right? right. No, I'm, I'm a different bracket, but I understand. Right, we're talking about the I know, right. We're talking about the average folks here. Right. I'm saying um, instead of all the different um, toys and things they're buying the kids, right, and, and with the attitude, well, I don't want to wish any death on my kids or make me proper on my kids. I said, no, it's not about that. It's about setting them up so by the mm-hmm. time they reach a certain age, you've already made that investment in them to be able to, for them to take over the policy, like you said, because um, something they can build into or have the cash value there to use to leverage Possibly, you know, put a down payment on a home, or the money they want to start 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 a business with, or you know, buy a car, whatever whatever they desire to do. But a lot of folks are not um, doing anything because they don't have a strategy in place. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to properly set these type of policies up. Listen, right. The sure. reason why millionaires and billionaires now, okay, have life insurance is not to bury themselves. They use it as a tax shelter. Because life insurance, when you don't hear a life insurance policy, you don't pay no taxes. Mm-hmm. When you take money out of the life insurance, it's not considered an asset. I had buddy came, guy came to me. Well, wait, wait, wait. I took some money. I had, I got um, some money out of one of my insurance because I, I surrendered my account. And I didn't think they were going to take taxes out, but they did. Ding, 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 ding. You said the magic word, TK. You said surrender. And you're absolutely right. If you surrender the policy, you broke the contract because it says, no, DK, I don't give a care if we pay out a dollar 
okay? But if you surrender that policy, TK, all bets are off. So that means any gains that you got will become taxable. And that's right. why, TK, when you loan against these policies, and I talked about this the last show, how someone took out a $600 loan back in the um, back in the early 80s, and they didn't pay it back. And by the time they got to me, they were saying, hey, I want you to review my contract. I reviewed it. I said, you know, on the loan side, you got $17,000 they said you owe. They said, what? She said, what, what? I said, yeah, because you let that $600 compound. Well, the agent didn't tell me. He said the dividends will cover it. I said, don't you know dividends are just the reimbursement of your overcharges? It's not going to cover that loan. It's not, mm-hmm. even working, it's not working fast enough. The price is not working fast enough within it. So, so he had to, to surrender the policy. if I surrendered the account, yeah. what would it normally happen? So, I'm sorry, say that one more time. If I wouldn't have surrendered the account. Yeah. Well, then it would have became a death benefit. So you would have had one or two choices. You would have either had to borrow. If you you could have borrowed from the you 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 could have borrowed from the contract, right? You didn't have to mm-hmm. surrender it, okay? You could have borrowed from it. Now it would have been a loan, okay? Depending upon what type of policy you've had, you could withdraw from it. Now whole life mm-hmm. you can't withdraw. Whole life you have to take a loan. That's why I was saying it's not the best. What I did was I surrendered the account, got the money, yeah. but then I signed right back up for a different policy. Yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, but because you surrendered that policy, that's why it became a taxable situation. So what that means is that you made more money than what you paid within the contract. Mm -hmm. And whatever part of that gains were becomes taxable. Right. Now, I don't know if you truly answered my question. I'm going to ask it again. Can I get the kids to take over their policy once they're 18? Or do they have to start all over again? No, you can do that. You can change ownership. You can change ownership. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. And that's what, and that's one of the strategies some people use in the game. They'll buy insurance. They'll fast fund it. Get all the cash they want in there. Listen, I had a client that came to me. He said, "Yes, I got four hundred thousand." I said, "Okay." He said, "Here's what I want to do. I want to know what's the minimum amount of insurance I need to fast fund four hundred thousand. So he was in his thirties. So it was two point two million. So, okay, he fast fund the money in there. Okay, within four years, got the money in the product. Okay. Right now, he's got over about close to a million dollars in the policy cash value. Okay. Yeah. So this whole strategy is I need a nest egg place where I can put money in and take it out without worry about paying taxes on it. The returns is very conservative. So what I'm saying is that you know you're not going to be the miss in the long term using the stock market and things of that nature, or maybe even real estate. You're not going to beat the returns. Life insurance is not built for that. It's built to be a very conservative type of vehicle. But the key thing, here's the key thing that wealthy people exploit it as. They is the taxes. They do not want to pay all their money exposed to taxes. So they'll either fast fund it to take the money out so they become their own bank, you know, um, and you can structure it depending on how much cash you want to dump in it and, 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 and just fill it up that way. Or they use it as an estate type of situation. So they say, hey, I want to make sure I have X amount of insurance for my estate. That way, all my other taxable assets, that that pays the taxes for that because life insurance is tax-free. So if I know I got, you know, something in my, you know, a million dollars worth of taxes that they have to deal with, the life insurance would be there to take care of those taxes. Um, So there's all kinds of strategies, right? that you can use pimp life insurance for. 
but you got to have the right type of product and contract that's involved when it comes to insurance piece. Um, so I just want to enlighten people about that. You know, at the end of the day, it's not the agent that you're dealing with that's on the line. It's the insurance company, right? I'm just the middle guy, right? You come to me, you want life insurance. So the, based upon, you know, what type of agent I am, you're able to limit me to what type of information you're going to get. Once again, if I'm a captive agent, I'm going to try to sell you what's going to give me my commission for that particular company, right? I'm not really trying to enlighten you on all these type of ins and outs um, because I'm not trained to do that. But someone independent, if they're well-trained and knowledgeable, they're going to sit back and say, okay, based upon what you're trying to do, this product will work better. And then it's also give you some insight to make you maybe kind of rethink some things, you know, um, on your strategy, on why you're trying to use life insurance. Are we trying to use it just for something to cover a temporary uh, need, or are we trying to use it as a way to exploit the tax code and do some other creative things along with it? Mm-hmm. Are you asking me a question? No, no, I'm just saying that that's just how, you know, people should go when they sit down with someone, you know, um, get an idea of what the purpose of it's for, right? Um, right. And like I said, for me, I'm independent. I represent over 200 companies. Um, at the age of 85, you can't even get life insurance at that point, right? So that's the end of life insurance for you, okay? That's the end of the road. I had mm-hmm. someone call me. They were 84. I said, you just missed the mark. She said, I just want something to put me in the ground. I want something. She said, you know, um, I'm 84 years old. I asked, hey, are you taking your medication? She goes, yeah, I'm taking, you know, um, stuff for my um, diabetes and stuff. I said, okay. So we got we call guaranteed issue. What's guaranteed issue? Well, it doesn't matter what you got. You can have HIV. You can have all kinds of different things going on. It's guaranteed. However, the downside, you got to wait two years to the full death benefit is covered. I mm-hmm. said, okay, that works. So there's all kinds of versions of these contracts. Right. That's what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. I want to, We'll talk off the air. I want to get um, my kids that um, – that hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. to cover them, mm-hmm. and then when they get a certain age, they could take over their policies. Yep, you can do that. Because I had one of my kids' moms, not saying her name, sure. um, I was to put one of my daughters on an insurance policy because she was underage, and yep. had the insurance company call and everything. And my daughter's mother said that if her name couldn't go on the policy, she wasn't giving me the medical information that was necessary to do the insurance policy. Mm-hmm. I was dealing with that bullshit. Well, well, think about now because of COVID, too, um, anything, uh, well, the all particular company that you deal with, but this one particular company, um, uh, you know, if, if they're minors, what I mean, well, let me put it this way. Anybody under the age of 40, okay, what they're doing now is called telephone interviews now. They're not even going out, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, because when we really think about it, 150000 is not really a lot of insurance. So they've already kind of did the math on some of these things and said, you know what, we're going to make it much more easier to issue out of these policies now, um, you know, after a certain type of under, – uh, under a certain age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as they don't – because they're going to do the due diligence. What they're going to do is basically pull the social – and find out what type of medical 
um, you know, uh, prescription drugs, anything like that is out there or any type of issues with their driver's license. You know, they got issues with drinking and driving and stuff like mm-hmm, that. So they're mm-hmm. going to find out their due diligence right. pulling their um, certain information anyway. So yeah. they've gotten much better. So you don't necessarily need, um, you know, all the doctor's information, anything like that. I mean, you still need to know if they have a primary care Okay, cool. Um, so hit me tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, no, Tuesday or Wednesday, get me a company. I'm going to put, I got a couple people I want to get insurance. Okay. Absolutely. For. I want to talk about the self pension, the self pension TK, if I can. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, what I'm finding that there's a lot of entrepreneurs, um, you know, that are, um, you know, I mean, they're doing, you know, pretty decent for themselves. I know COVID set a lot of people back. But the bottom line of it is they don't have any type of guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. Um, see, when you work for a company, um, well, nowadays is that so much the case, but you work for the state, you know, sometimes they have these pension plans, right? Or you work for a private company, they got a pension. That's one of the benefits of working for the state, right? You get a pension. You get a guaranteed income coming in, right? Mm-hmm. And now more companies are leaning towards 401k type of accounts where they're leaving up to the, uh, the, um, the, um, the employee to uh, figure out their, um, you know, their savings, right? To, you know, to, uh, you know, to um, decide on how much they want to put in. Well, let me just briefly give you insight on that. Um, during the 1980s, 401K had uh, um, effectively replaced the pension plan to become one of the most popular retirement plans for the American worker. In, 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 in uh, um, 2018, Time Magazine came out with an article which revealed a study, because there's enough time now, it was called the 401k versus the pension plan. And what they found out that after 30 years of mutual funds being implemented, the results showed that retirees with pension plans were much better off. Now, why is that? Because it was professionally managed. When you leave it up to people that have no idea, right, to um, how to properly structure these things to try to manage it, they're not going to get the results. So mm-hmm. it's all about the allocations you choose within your 401k plan. Now, here's where I'm going. When I find that people that are self-employed uh, entrepreneurs, they, make, they may be making good money, but they're not saving enough within their 401k or properly got it structured to get the results that they need. So um, insurance company got these products called annuities. Now, an annuity, all it is is just basically a savings account that's associated with insurance company. However, they've got certain types of annuities as well. You know, there's different uh, levels to this as well. But they've got these annuities that you can also um, do a lump sum, right, mm-hmm. and let that money sit there. It's protected, no fees, no risk to your principal. You can play the index or certain types of indexes. Um, that are built within these things, they average about 8 to 7%, a lot of them sometimes within these products. The bottom line of it is you have the option to get a guaranteed income, just like a pension would provide you along um, at some point if you choose to, or once the contract is over, you can walk away with, you know, um, with, with, with the savings. So what I say to some entrepreneurs like yourself, okay, Let's say you had 100000 or 200000 you wanted to put somewhere safe that you know that was safe, that was good, that allowed you to upside of the market, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let me add this, 
very conservative rate of return, you know, 8 7%. A lot of these, once again, the hottest structure. But what it provides you was a guaranteed income for the rest of your life. And what it also provided you was long-term care insurance. Explain to me, guarantee you, guarantee you money for the rest of your life when you say that. So what happens is, okay, for example, let's say you put 200000 okay? After 10 years, because a lot of these, these contracts with ingenuity plans are structured for 10 years. After 10 years, you can take all your money and keep it going, or you can renew for another 10 years. But let's say you say, okay, Julia, I would like by the age of, I don't know, you know, of the 10 years, of 70, okay? Or, um, yeah, so in your case, let's say, you know, of, of 10 years from now, uh, a guarantee of 50000 okay? So with, I would say, okay, TK, in order to get that guarantee of 50000 you got to put, Let's say two hundred thousand in, in, in the policy as of today, mm-hmm. right? TK, now let's say ten years now that count value is four hundred thousand. I said TK, you can take the four hundred thousand, or the company's going to give you fifty thousand for the rest of your life, like a pension would, right? So you say, you know what? I'm gonna I really have the fifty thousand for the rest of my life. So now, how often do you get the fifty thousand though? What's that? How often do you get the fifty thousand? For the rest of your life, annually, annually. It's, it's, so you get fifty thousand a year for the rest of your life. Absolutely. If you yeah, put if you put one hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand in the bank, you'll get fifty thousand a year for the rest of your life. Within these contracts, it uh, depends upon. I'm just using that as an example, right? So I'm saying to you, let's say you had a number in mind that you wanted. Let's say it was fifty thousand for the rest of your life. Now I say, okay, TK, in order to get that guarantee, you have to put up two hundred thousand, right? But if you didn't have a number in mind, it still works the same way. But let's say you had a target number that you knew based upon your, you know, your liabilities and whatever, your inflation, your cost of living, your lifestyle, you you didn't want to keep chasing returns anymore. You wanted some type of guaranteed income, which is what a a pension and social security is one of the other things that provide some type of guaranteed income the rest of your life. Well, this is a way you can fast fund it. Listen, I had a client that said, hey, I got some kids. I don't know how they're going to turn out. They want to do all this type of stuff in the music business, whatever. But, hey, I want to be able to self-fund them some type of guaranteed income. And I'm going to put it as where the trust is going to be the owner, and they can't mess with this. This is like a pension. So, you know, so they got it structured where they can't mess with that money until age 65. Now, they're, they're, in their, they're, in their late, they're in their mid-20s now. So mm-hmm. they they put fifty grand or something like that away, and by the time they reach sixty five, you know they got um, they got you know some good amount of money in there that they can now use as a as a guaranteed income because that's the way they structured it that you know within the trust. Right. Now, my point of the matter is, for a lot of self employed entrepreneurs, they don't have that type of pension option. But here's a way they may have cash, they may got other investments that they can reposition. And now give them some type of guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. And the other thing it provides. Let me get some paperwork on that. Let me, I'm going to okay. give you my email. Yes, and sir. And I'll have my team um, read yes. it over. Because, see, as I get older, I'm always suspicious of people. Yes, sir. Not you, policies, companies, et cetera. So what I do, because I'm different, I think different, I move different. If somebody takes from me, I, I try not to invest too much. I do very well in the stock market. I do very well on myself. But if I take the time to trust somebody, trust a company, 
Like, I don't really trust a Bitcoin or a crypto. And the reason why I don't do that because there's no 800 number. There's no office I can go to right. and sit down like I'm talking to you if right. something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So I was always taught from the streets is you put a face to the contract or a face to the money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, send me the email on that. I find that extremely interesting. You got my attention on okay. that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and, and like I said, I tell people all the time, I don't give a care if your mama sold you a life insurance policy or whatever the policy you might have been sold to. It's not about the person. It's about the contract. Cause you so let me ask you a question. Yep, okay. true. So the person put this hundred fifty, two hundred thousand, and they get 50000 a year, and do they take tax on the 50000 Good question. Absolutely. But because... But how much? Because it's spread over time. Well, it all depends on what tax bracket you fall into because it's, it's, it's now becomes accumulated like income, like all your other income, right, that you're reporting. It's just mm-hmm. another affordable asset of income. So, yeah, absolutely right. But So know, in I'm, a bracket like mine, they take it more than half. Um, hey, you know, <laughs> it doesn't come back. <laughs> let, let me just say this. It doesn't but, come back. Let me see what that means is. Wait a yeah. second. Let me see what that means. Go ahead. If I got two, three hundred thousand already, I got this already. It's mine. Sure, right. I worked hard for. I paid the taxes on it already. Right. Then I take that, put it in this pension that you're telling me about. Right. I know what you. I get this money every year. So mm-hmm. if it's fifty thousand, I have to combine that with the rest of my money. So that right. fifty thousand now maybe is twenty. 18. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So over five. So over five. See, so in a way, not for, in a way, it's not good for me. Right. Right. Out right. of that 300,000, that 400,000, because that's in. But can I take that out at any time? Was there a penalty in that Of course. So you can take it out after the 10 years. So, so within Ooh. the ten years, you you well, I know you do have some flexibility, like ten percent a year, you can take out without a penalty. Right, so, right. Yeah. So, so you do have that type of flexibility, but outside of that, no, um, without the penalty. Now, good question about the about the the tax situation when it comes to this type of vehicle. You're absolutely right, TK. What I was saying was for folks that need some type of pension guaranteed income, that's what it provides. Is it going to be taxable? Yes, it is, based upon the gain. So, if you put in uh, 200000 and it grew to 400000 and you took a guarantee of 50000 a year, right? Well, yeah, part of that, that 50000 will be taxable. Part of it would be non-taxable because, once again, it is spread out through a lifetime. So it's going to be a minimum taxable situation. It's going to be a minimum, and it's a, it's, it's a slight disadvantage for me because right. I'm in my 60s. No, I got you. No, I get it. I get it. Right. So, I'm in you know, my 60s. So no disrespect. I, I'm like, I can live another 40 years as my goal. But when you talk about penalties to take out, you got to put the money in there for 10 years. Yep. Now, say I put the money in, say I put 400000 in, mm-hmm. I passed away, and my mm-hmm. kids try to get the money so they get the, when they try to get the money out, does that money get taxed on, on the way taken out, the 400000 whatever, whatever the gains were at that point, yeah. The gains are always taxed if they, if they decide to do the contract. Yeah. So, well, I'm just saying, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's taxable. But once again, what is the purpose? Why are we doing this? If the purpose is, hey, I need a um, guaranteed income, all right, 
Because now you can move other assets around out of your name to to decrease your taxable of other gains. That's what people do at some point. They start transferring things into a trust out of your name to keep their uh, taxable situation limited. Now, when I use the example of the person that wanted the 400000 life insurance to use as a tax shelter so they can have it for different type of purposes to avoid taxes, maybe that may be a better strategy for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm work- yeah, what's, what's going to be great about this is, yeah. and I'm sorry to interrupt, what's going to be great about this is that the people are listening all over the world right now. Yeah. Everybody falls into a different category, and this is going to be good for somebody. Like, right. it's going to reach so many heads. And whether they reach out to me or reach out to you, do you have a website or yeah. a number think, to, so people can call you, um, Julius, and thank, talk to thank, you? Thank you. My website is JDL. Dash financial dot com. That's J. Um, D S and David L S and Larry J D L dash financial dot com. Okay, great. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what's going on in my life and you too, Julius. I have one more show in the great city of Atlanta, Georgia, tonight, and I've been averaging two and a half hours a night performing, and my voice is tired. So, Julius, I think this information is well. I think it's amazing. I don't do too many part ones, part twos with nobody. So you're in a category by yourself. But now I got to shut the fuck up. (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the T.K. Kirkland podcast. I met this brother a few weeks ago in Hartford, Connecticut. Brother came back twice to make sure that he got in touch with me. And I think and I know that this episode is going to touch on so many people that you will make the right decision. This week coming up, you're going to catch me at Chuckles in Memphis, Tennessee, from Friday, well, from Thursday to Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you get your ticket. I think they're having this huge event down there in Memphis and so we want to get all the people to come through. Um, take your time to come see T.K. Kirkland in the flesh. Julius? Yes, sir. It was my pleasure, young man. I wish you the Thank best. You, Me and you will talk tomorrow. Uh, I'll just talk to you about a few things. Okay. And we're going to keep it moving. To all my fans and friends around the world, from Australia to Japan, Shout-out to Haiti. Shout-out to New Orleans. God bless you guys. Sammy, I wish you guys the best. Shout-out to the people in the fires on the West Coast. I can't imagine all the stuff that you're going through. And shout-out to anybody that's going through any kind of pain. I hope that you get through it, and may your pain be champagne. It's the T.K. Kirk Podcast. The episode today was with my man, Julius, financial wizard, ladies and gentlemen, insurance guy. All right, so let's show him love. You got any um, questions, hit that brother up. He will take the time to reach out to you and give you the information you need to know so you don't make any mistakes. God bless you, family. Talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Make sure you follow TK Kirkland on Instagram at TK underscore Kirkland for more information 
about upcoming events and more, visit www.officialtkkirkland.com. This episode of the TK Kirkland Show was produced by Chris Thomas, executively produced by Charlemagne the God. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.